0: Hello, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today's episode 57, and this episode is called The Overview Effect of Dr. King. Today is a very important American holiday that we so often take for granted. And yet in this day and age, uh, in this particular period of history, we cannot neglect this holiday, I dare say. Um, We have never, you know, since this man existed, I would say that uh, we've never needed his wisdom more than we do today. And uh, we are in a time of incredible fragmentation and uh, incredible uh, frustration, maybe, and very unexamined biases exist in our world, unfortunately. So I thought today that we could do an episode that could be as honoring as possible to this man, Dr. King, who gave every ounce of his energy, for the most part, to something that was bigger than himself and something that, you know, was there to far outlast him. And uh, we need to embody and embrace his dream, which was cast and uh, envisioned so long ago. So uh, why do I call this the overview effect of Dr. King? First of all, I'm going to go back to something that we talked about at the winter of listening retreat. So if you were there, this is a repeat, but uh, it's so good. It's completely worth the repeat in my opinion. Uh, So what I'm about to say sounds unrelated, but bear with me. I promise you it is related to Dr. King. So I was recently listening to a podcast about space. (laughs) And one of the things that I was hearing in this podcast was, a, a little bit about the first mission to the moon, and one of the first astronauts that went to the moon was Jim Lovell, and um, Jim Lovell had this experience, and he, you know, he sort of talked about this in various interviews and things like this, where he talked about how, um, you know, a lot of people go talk about space travel as, you know, a lot of people like to hear about like, oh, what do the astronauts eat? What do the astronauts do when they're sleeping? Like, how do they sleep? How do they go to the bathroom? Those kinds of things. Those are things that we see, you know, when, when space travel began, this is the kind of thing that people tended to publish in the news or on video clips, you know, there's all these miraculous floating bodies, uh, in spaceships. And that's sort of the focus is this, you know, what do astronauts do in space? But one of the interesting things about this interview that I heard with Jim Lovell is that he was very focused, not on what astronauts do in space, but more on what is seen when in space. So Jim Lovell had—I'm talking about Jim Lovell—but this is an experience that any astronaut who has been off of Earth has experienced, and that there's actually—it's so common that there's actually a name for it, and it's called the Overview Effect. And uh, I'll tell you what that means in a second. So, 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 so all, these, all these astronauts who have, you know, been in on in space travel uh, away from earth. What happens is that they look out the window. There's sort of this moment that is described where they look out the window and for the first time, and Jim Lovell was one of the very first people who ever experienced this. They look out the window and they see the earth in full view for the first time. And what this does to people, these astronauts who are in space is they sort of have this, it's a collective moment. It's actually described very similarly among every astronaut, among every nation and every continent who has ever been in space, where there's this very clear description of we, we look and we see this, uh, fragile oasis. One person described it as it's this, this place where we live and, uh, the way Jim Lovell experienced it is, you know, he says we, something like we went to the moon to find the moon, but what we found was the earth. So it's this sort of moment of, you know, he describes like looking out the window and thinking here we are thinking we're going into space, but we've been in space the whole time. And here's this globe, this this beautiful, fertile, uh, nourishing globe that we call home, that we so infrequently have the ability to see in overview, that we so rarely, I mean, only those who have been in space have actually been permitted to have this experience of seeing the whole picture. Uh, Sometimes we go on these journeys where we expect that the journey is very much about the destination. And yet what we find is that uh, a lot of the journey is to look at this place that we have called home or that really the journey is about having a completely different perspective. Dr. King was the perfect example of the overview effect. Dr. King was this man who sort of always had his eye on the large picture, this picture of interconnectedness, this picture of never forgetting that we are part of something larger than ourselves and that we are sustained by one another. So this is not the kind of thing, you know, Dr. King is really known for his, I have a dream speech and, and for various, uh, you know, letter from a Birmingham jail, which is an absolute must read, uh, book. This book is irreplaceable. Uh, please read it if you're able, uh, no, you're all able. So if you can make this happen for yourself, that you can read this book, letter from a Birmingham prison, um, where he writes these letters, uh, and they're so full of wisdom and overview of the human condition, what this intricate connectedness uh, feels like, and needs to be, and what we lack, and when we do not have. This interconnected experience with each other. So, one of the. I actually mentioned this in my previous episode last week, but um, Dr. Martin Luther King preached a sermon on Christmas Eve of 1967. And it was an incredible sermon. It was at his home church in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, it was about a half an hour. And it's on YouTube, actually, of course, because that's what we get to experience in these days is that most things are posted on YouTube. So um, in in just a few moments, I'm actually going to play a clip, a short clip from this sermon of Dr. King's. But one of the things that I find so fascinating about this sermon is that he connects so clearly with our need for each other. He he so clearly lays out this um, inability to live without a perspective of how much we rely on one another. And uh, you'll hear in a little bit uh, what that means you know, how he says this and what he talks about, but it's such a, it's such a helpful perspective. And again, I can't, you know, I know that every time and every era is crazy in its own respect and has its own fears and, um, you know, opportunity for insanity. (laughs) But, um, just that, just that he, was able to channel this need for interconnectedness and and i can't I just can't ignore how badly we need that today uh, with things like DACA happening and uh, you know this this movement to remove human beings like fellow human beings from our from our country simply because they're different um, we so easily ignore the similarities that are there between us. And, um, you know, I did this unity series not that long ago on this on these episodes, and uh, we talked about what it means to be connected and united. Uh, and this is such a big part of it, is interconnectedness. You know, there's no such thing as me without you. And last week we talked about, you know, I need you... I need your eyes and your perspective to see differently. Because I can't see as clearly by myself as I do with you. So, uh, without too much uh, pomp and circumstance, may I introduce to you a short clip from Dr. Martin Luther King's 1967 Christmas Eve sermon in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: We have experimented with the meaning of nonviolence and our struggle for racial justice in the United States. But now, the time has come for man to experiment with nonviolence in all areas of human conflict. And that means nonviolence on an international scale. Now let me suggest first that if we are to have peace on earth, our loyalties must become ecumenical rather than sectional. No individual can live alone no nation can live alone, and as long as we try, the more we're going to have war in this world, the judgment of God is upon us. Yes, sir. And we must either learn to live together as brothers, or we're all going to perish together as fools. Yes. As nations and individuals, we are interdependent. I've mentioned to you before of our visit to India some years ago. It was a marvelous experience. But I say to you this morning that there were those depressing moments. How can one avoid being depressed? When he sees with his own eyes evidences of millions of people going to bed hungry at night. Yes, sir, yes, sir. How can one avoid being depressed? When he sees with his own eyes thousands of people sleeping on the sidewalks at night. More than a million people sleep on the sidewalks of Bombay, India, every night. More than a half a million sleep on the sidewalks of Calcutta every night. They have no houses to go in. They have no beds to sleep in. As I beheld these conditions, something within me cried out, can we in America stand idly by and not be concerned? And an answer came, oh no. And I started thinking about the fact Right here in our country we spend millions of dollars every day to store surplus food. Make it plain, make it plain. And I said to myself, I know where we can store that food free of charge. In the wrinkled stomachs of the millions of God's children in Asia and Africa, Latin America and even in our own nation who go to bed hungry at night. It really boils down to this, that all life is interrelated. We are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny, and whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. We are made to live together because of the interrelated structure of reality. Did you ever stop to think that you can't leave for your job in the morning without being dependent on most of the world? You get up in the morning and go to the bathroom and reach over for a sponge, and that's handed to you by a Pacific Islander. You reach for the bar of soap, and that's given to you at the hands of a Frenchman. And then you go in the kitchen to drink your coffee for the morning, and that's poured in your cup by a South American. Or maybe you want tea, that's poured in your cup by a Chinese. Or maybe you're desirous of having cocoa for breakfast, and that's poured in your cup by a West African, and then you reach over for your toast, and that's given to you at the hands of an English-speaking farmer, not to mention the baker. And before you finish eating breakfast in the morning, you're dependent on more than half of the world. This is the way our universe is structured. It is its interrelated quality. We aren't going to have peace on earth until we recognize This basic fact of the interrelated structure of all reality.
0: I'm going to read as an invitation this week, as if that's not invitation enough, Dr. King himself. I would like to read uh, a piece written by his wife, Coretta Scott King, not too long ago, actually. On uh, his website, Dr. King's website, you know, this website that sort of honors him. Uh, it's thekingcenter.org. You can find this on thekingcenter.org. And uh, this article in particular is called The Meaning of the King Holiday. Let this be your invitation. The Martin Luther King Jr. holiday celebrates the life and legacy of a man who brought hope and healing to America. We commemorate, as well, the timeless values he taught us through his example. The values of courage, truth, justice, compassion, dignity, humility, and service that so radiantly defined Dr. King's character and empowered his leadership. On this holiday, we commemorate the universal unconditional love, forgiveness, and nonviolence that empowered his revolutionary spirit. We commemorate Dr. King's inspiring words because his voice and his vision filled a great void in our nation and answered our collective longing to become a country that truly lived by its noblest principles. Yet Dr. King knew that it wasn't enough just to talk the talk, that he had to walk the walk for his words to be credible. And so we commemorate on this holiday the man of action, who put his life on the line for freedom and justice every day. The man who braved threats and jail and beatings and who ultimately paid the highest price to make democracy a reality for all Americans. The King holiday honors the life and contributions of America's greatest champion of racial justice and equality. The leader who not only dreamed of an integrated society, but who also led a movement that achieved historic reforms to help make it a reality. On this day, we commemorate Dr. King's great dream of a vibrant multicultural nation, united in justice, peace And reconciliation. A nation that has a place at the table for children of every race and room at the inn for every needy person. We are called on this holiday not merely to honor, but to celebrate the values of equality, tolerance, and interracial sister and brotherhood that he so compellingly expressed in his great dream for America. It is a day of interracial and intercultural cooperation and sharing. No other day of the year brings so many peoples from different cultural backgrounds together in such a vibrant spirit of brother and sisterhood. Whether you are African American, Latino, or Native American, whether you are Caucasian or Asian American, you are part of a great dream Martin Luther King Jr. had for this country. This is not a black holiday, it is a people's holiday. And it is the young people of all races and religions who hold the keys to the fulfillment of Dr. King's dream. We commemorate on his holiday, this holiday, the ecumenical leader and visionary who embraced the unity of all faiths in love and truth. And though we take patriotic pride that Dr. King was an American, on this holiday, we must also commemorate the global leader who inspired nonviolent liberation movements around the world. Indeed, on this day, programs commemorating my husband's birthday are being observed in more than 100 nations. The King holiday celebrates Dr. King's global vision of the world house. A world whose people and nations had triumphed over poverty, racism, war, and violence. The holiday commemorates his vision of ecumenical solidarity His insistence that all faiths had something meaningful to contribute to building the beloved community. The holiday commemorates America's preeminent advocate of nonviolence. The man who taught by his example that nonviolent action is the most powerful revolutionary force of social change available to oppress people in their struggle for liberation. This holiday honors the courage of a man who endured harassment, threats, and beatings, and even bombings. We commemorate the man who went to jail 29 times to achieve freedom for others, and who knew he would pay the ultimate price for his leadership, but kept on marching and protesting and organizing anyway. Every King holiday has been a national teach-in on the values of nonviolence including unconditional love tolerance forgiveness reconciliation which are so desperately needing needed to unify America It is a day of intensive education and training in Martin's philosophy and methods of nonviolent social change and conflict reconciliation this holiday provides a unique opportunity to treat young people to fight evil, to teach young people to fight evil, not people. To get in the habit of asking themselves, what is the most loving way I could possibly resolve this conflict? On the King Holiday, young people learn about the power of unconditional love, even for one's adversaries, as a way to fight injustice and diffuse violent disputes. It is a time to show them the power of forgiveness in the healing process at an interpersonal as well as an international level. Martin Luther King Jr. Day is not only for celebration and remembrance, education and tribute, but above all, a day of service to one another. All across America, on this holiday, his followers perform service in hospitals and shelters and prisons and wherever people need some kind of help. It is a day of volunteering to feed the hungry, to rehabilitate housing, tutoring those who cannot read, mentoring at-risk young people, consoling the broken hearted and a thousand other projects for building the beloved community of Dr. King's dream. Dr. King once said that we all have to decide whether we will walk in the light of creative altruism or the darkness of destructive selfishness. The the darkness of destructive selfishness. Life's most persistent and nagging question, he said, is what are you doing for others? He will quote Mark 9.35, the scripture in which Jesus tells James and John, whoever is great among you will be the servant, and whoever among you will be the first will be the servant of all. And when Martin talked about the end of his mortal life in one of his last sermons on February 4th, 1968, in the pulpit of Ebenezer Baptist Church, even then... He lifted up the value of service as the hallmark of a full life. I'd like somebody to mention on that day Martin Luther King tried to give his life serving others, he said. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to love and serve humanity. We call you to commemorate this holiday by making your personal commitment to serve humanity with the vibrant spirit of unconditional love that was his greatest strength and which empowered all of the great victories of his leadership. And with our hearts open to this spirit and unconditional love, we can indeed achieve the beloved community of Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream. May we who follow Martin now pledge to serve humanity, promote his teachings, and carry forward his legacy into the 21st century. <sighs> My friends, this starts with us. There's no expectation for this to go on without us. Can't, we can't expect unity. We cannot expect Inclusion, we cannot expect wholeness for ourselves if we cannot connect and be whole with others, no matter what the background, no matter what the nationality of people. This picture of, you know, people leaving planet Earth and looking back and seeing this planet, realizing this overview effect, this picture of you know, this zoom out of how interconnected and important we are to each other and how all these tiny things that we make so large in life, how they skew our vision so much, how they completely mess up our ability to be one with one another. So, my blessing to you this week is may you find a spark of Dr. King's spirit in yourself. May you find a way to zoom out and see the earth as this interconnected, fragile oasis where we need each other so badly and that we are expected ourselves. We, we should expect ourselves To show up for one another in ways that are powerful and loving. And that is life in the whirlwind. Thank you for showing up this week. Show up to the table. Invite someone that is completely unlike you to show up to the table today. And uh, let's celebrate Dr. King's holiday together. Thanks for showing up today. Take great care.
1: If uh... So